Hey y'all, this is Jordan Clements and welcome to episode 22 of Saving the Republic. Joining me today is Ethan Holland, Nate Dunning, and Skylar Waxman. We have a great show for y'all today covering the recent court vacancy due to the tragic death of Justice Ginsburg and Governor Abbott's selective reopening of Texas. So without further ado, let's talk about the notorious RBG. So, as anyone who doesn't live under a rock know, uh, this past weekend saw the tragic passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg after decades of valiant service in the court. Now, while personally I may not have agreed with a lot of her rulings, she has still served our country uh, gallantly and with grace and dignity for her life. And my prayers are with her family. May God grant her eternal peace. Now, with that out of the way, we can now talk about the vacancy. Now, this part's going to be a lot of fun because Donald Trump has come out saying that he, after Mitch McConnell said that he is going to confirm any Trump nominee, President Trump has come out saying that he will nominate a woman. Me, I'm, my prayers are going for Amy Coney Barrett, but uh, we'll see. So what do y'all think about this recent uh, development? Well, so for a little while, I'd say a few minutes or maybe a, maybe a couple hours, I was not sure if it would be a good decision to nominate before the election. And I was really thinking about, well, how is this going to affect November? Uh, is it going to be a good move to, to nominate someone? And would it be a good move to confirm this person before the election? And I've essentially now kind of come to the conclusion that you know what let's nominate and let's get this person confirmed because if we don't and i think even if we didn't you know we could still lose in november and we we could end up with joe biden appointing someone like merrick garland or someone else so i i just want to get this uh i just want to get someone confirmed put in and look if we lose the Senate or we lose White House, so what? Um, you know, this is this is important. This is I think the Supreme Court's more important than the White House or the Senate, uh, to be entirely honest. So I just don't know how Biden's going to appoint anybody if he doesn't have a, a list he's going off of. Uh, that's oh, Kamala, President Kamala is going to have a list. Like, oh, we Kamala. know they've got a list. It's just they don't see the importance of releasing it, and so now Biden's like, "Well, I should be the one that gets to release the list." or the, you know, the nominee. Let's say, okay, well, let's see your options. Let's see that you're thinking about this. Because mm-hmm. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is just the first. There's like, I'm not saying people are about to start dying left and right, but I'm saying that like, we have to be ready in case anything happens. It's nine people out of 300 and something million. I mean, you have to be prepared. Well, because Breyer is also a Clemson appointee. He's the, like, he's the next one of the liberals. Not just Breyer, but also, uh, Justice Thomas, for example. I'm just excited to <laughs> excited. Uh, maybe that's not the right word. I'm just excited to see what the liberals say about Trump being a sexist after this. Yeah, well, it's two male justices and one female. Get ready for it. Uh, anyway, but it, on it the flip ends. side of that, on the flip side, he said that it's very likely going to be a woman, and so I'm excited to see what happens when it is a woman, 
and we, we hear uh, Democrats in the Senate Judiciary Committee, uh, you know, really grilling her. Uh, it's like, hey, she's a woman. Isn't this what you want? You know, uh, that's, it's going to be interesting to see them uh, when the shoe is on the other foot. And so, and then the fact that she's a, she's a Catholic, you know. Well, that's one of them. We don't know. That, this whole thing, it's going to be interesting to see. Hmm? Well, we don't know for sure if it's going to be Coney Barrett. She's the only Catholic between the two that are being considered. I'm just tired of people trying to say it's going to be Ted Cruz. It's not going to be Ted Cruz. Uh, no, people, Cruz. after he said woman, they're still like, Cruz is going to be the nominee. No, Cruz has a lot in front of him to commit himself to the Supreme Court. No, that. my bet is what's going to happen is if Trump wins re-election and uh, Thomas is going to resign in the last couple of years, and then Trump will uh, nominate Cruz then. No, but I, I'm pretty sure Cruz is going to be running 24. That's my He goal. might, but we'll, it, we'll see what his consultants tell him. Because if his consultants I mean, yeah. tell him that he doesn't have a shot at the presidency, Cruz may take him up on the offer. Okay, I'll be a, a Supreme Court nominee. A Supreme I mean, Court justice. I think he would do other things like Attorney General before he jumped to SCOTUS. Uh, but, I mean, I really do see him running in 24. I don't really see a way around it because he's, I, I mean, he's pretty I popular internationally. I could certainly see uh, Ted Cruz on a SCOTUS list in 2022. I could definitely see that happening. And that would be before he would announce a presidential run. So, you know, if it happens then, then I could, you know, I could definitely see that happening. And then if it doesn't I work mean, out, I could see him running for president. I mean, you figure that Trump put him on a list. Trump likely wouldn't have put him on a list if he didn't, if he didn't talk to him first. I feel like if, Trump was going to put him on a list. He probably talked to, uh, to Cruz and was like, hey, if I were to do this, would you accept? And Cruz probably said, yeah. So I feel that – I feel I think Cruz would rather get the, life, the lifetime appointment of the Supreme Court and not worry about um, – and not worry about running for re-election. And Cruz could position himself theoretically to where when Roberts eventually retires, they can move him to chief justice. We have a good cruise court. Ah, uh, gosh, don't, don't, uh, don't do that to me, Jordan. That would be amazing. But, uh, <laughs> don't do that to me, Jordan. <laughs> realistic. Oh I'm just ready for Brett Kavanaugh to be the swing boat. Because if we can get this through, well, let's think about this. This is about to be six to three, right? Am yeah, I misunderstanding well, this? Well, Robert, that's, but Robert, remember that. But did it, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously. But did anybody think that that would, you know, we'd be anywhere near this, like to a Trump candidacy in 2016? Yeah, in 2016, we were worried that. 2020, the court would be 6-3? Yeah, we were worried that was going to be 5-4. Um, we're going to have a Justice Merrick Garland. Um, thankfully, you know, McConnell. McConnell, I've only grown to appreciate him more the more that he's been here. But so that we have, we can't, uh, I go back and McConnell. forth on McConnell. Okay. So I go back and way, forth like I do on Lindsey Graham. So the way we view McConnell is that he's good. He's great as a Machiavellian Senate majority leader, and that's it. McConnell as a um, as an actual senator, not conservative. His freedom work scores in the thirties. For reference, the 30s. Ted Cruz, for reference, is like in the 70s. Paul is, a, and that's like a that's 
an abnormality considering how Cruz usually gets in the 90s. And uh, Rand Paul, I think, has 100. And those yeah. are the good guys. McConnell's yeah, in the Paul, 30s. Rand Paul lacks a, a wee bit of charm. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, – <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not going. I'm not standing. I'm not sending uh, a Paul for president. I'm just sure, saying sure, sure. that. I'm just saying that like Freedom Works score wise, McConnell is in the 30s, and that is not. Do you know? Do you know where? Do you know where Lindsey Graham falls in that? He's in the same category. As as McConnell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I would have assumed. But this is gonna. I mean, think about it. Just like think about it. I. Yeah, it's really hard to wrap your head around it. But this is going to be three justices under Trump's belt. Well, Possibly this one's going to be the closest in history. Re-elected. Four, maybe five when he gets reelected. So no, it's, this it's is going to be the closest one in history because if you want, if you want to know my bet right now, it's going to be, it's at, it's probably going to be 50, it's probably going to be 50 50 Pence breaks. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting take. Uh, I mean, that's my that's my bet. That's my worst I mean, bet. I'm just looking at I'm just looking at big picture here. You know, everybody's freaking out. You know, liberal mm-hmm. wise about Trump, whatever. But think about it. You know, the Arab peace deal, the embassy, three Supreme Court justices, Planned Parenthood funding. I mean, the list continues and continues and continues. Well, it's unbelievable. I'm Here's- sorry, and you know, I we all have our hangups on Trump, but it is unbelievable that all of these things have happened. If you if so you put yourself in your own person from 2016. And you tell yourself in 2020, this is what we would have been looking at. Oh no! Well, no, this is great. Look at the game theory here. Trump's re-election is very uncertain. The Senate seat is kind of safe, but it's de- it's definitely winnable for the Democrats. House, it's almost a lost cause until California can get its crap together and start and stop letting uh, former Union soldiers have a vote. Now. Um, Let's assume, worst case scenario for Republicans in November, they get the trifecta. House, they hold the House, gain the Senate, gain the presidency. We already know what they're going to do. They've already promised to sack the courts. They've already promised to um, abolish the filibuster. They've already promised to ram every single thing through to President Kamala Harris's desk. If we get the court, they can stop all that. And we can, and we have a, a safety in case Roberts is, is like starts simping for the Democrats. Sure, sure. I mean, is he not already simping for the Democrats? He is, but I don't know if Roberts would. Um, I don't know if Roberts like a WikiLeaks kind of um, uh, go to justice where he's good when he's in the opposition. That makes sense. To where if there, I feel like Roberts is the kind of uh, justice that goes against the power. I see. Where, I feel like he'd be a lot. I feel like he's gonna be. He'd be better in a Democrat administration. He because look, Roberts was like what was one of the people that voted against Obergefell v. Hodges, for example. Okay. Yeah. Like, Roberts has made some and like oh there was a lot of oh um oh I think I believe the Dreamers one was all, was also Kennedy. Remember, Kennedy was the swing vote. Roberts was always solidly um, someone. So for right for those of us for those of us that are chimps. In our, in about 45 seconds, could you explain to us how you change who's the chief justice? Or once um, made chief justice, that's it. So the chief justice is essentially set for life.
they are the chief justice until they don't want to be the chief justice anymore, or they get impeached or removed from office. Now, a SCOTUS justice has never, as far as I can recall, has never been even impeached, let alone removed from office. So let's throw that out of the window. So essentially, the chief, let's, if we say we number all the justices seats one through nine, chief justice is seat one. Now, what could happen is Roberts resigns and then say whoever is justice three can get nominated to that seat, the, the chief justice seat. And then that seat three vacancy then gets filled. So they reconfirm um, the former seat, let's say like Gorsuch, for example, let's say Gorsuch is SC3 and they decide to make him chief justice. They could renominate a justice on the court to that chief justice position, or they can, um, and then confirm someone else to that previous justice seat, or they can outsource and put someone else in. Okay, so it doesn't work like, uh, you know, an average Joe like that, wouldn't know anything about politics, I would have guessed that like if conservatives hold the majority, they get in a circle and come to a consensus or there's some sort of vote taken up. I mean, I, I didn't realize that it's like seat one, seat three. What happens with seat two? Well, I, I'm just using that as an example. Okay. It's like, okay. It's, it's actually chief just, like the actual terminology is chief justice, associate justices. One chief okay. justice, eight associates. So, I just so, did the numbers to simplify things. So the, the determining of chief justice doesn't have anything to do with who holds the majority, or it does? No. Because Roberts has been chief justice from the beginning. Because what happened was um, he was originally going to fill Sandra Day O'Connor's seat. And then whoever the chief justice was at the time, I can't remember, ended up dying. So they so Bush did a switcheroo and put Roberts as the chief justice instead. And then put uh, Alito. Well, thank you for as, your analysis. Um, <laughs> hey, we, we here at Saving the Republic like to learn things. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, basically with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that she passed away, but, you know, life goes on. And especially during coronavirus during 2020, I mean, we've got to get somebody else in there uh, as soon as possible. Um, and I think it's kind of cool that it's a woman because, you know, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was really popular because she was the second woman to hold a Supreme Court seat. So it'll be really cool that, you know, Trump is taking that. He's recognizing that that is popular and that's why a lot of people are sad. And so he's picking a woman. Oh, yeah. So I found a good example. I found a good example of the Chief Justice thing. So before okay. Roberts was Judge uh, Reinquist or something like that. Reinquist for years was an associate justice before. He was actually Scalia's former seat. And then whenever the previous chief justice for him passed on or resigned, I don't remember which one, Reinquist was then reconfirmed as the chief justice. And then Scalia filled his seat. And then when Reinquist died, Bush decided to just make Roberts chief justice when he was already fixing and confirmed at Sandra Day O'Connor's replacement. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you know, it's, I, I think we all saw it coming, to be honest. I mean, we've been hearing, I think they've been hinting towards it for the last few weeks. Uh, plus, she, I mean, she was 87. I mean, it was, I mean, we all knew the day was coming. Uh, 
Well, uh, it's higher than my Ginsburg was a fighter to the end when it came to holding on. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely a fighter until the end. Uh, but, I mean, I remember from months ago people speculating that, you know, it was coming. And I was like, I mean, she's, she's hanging on there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the other day, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a morbid thing. Um, and it's the whole system, it's like they're set there for life. And so unless they just want to give up that power, um, and that's not usually the case where they don't, they don't want to get up power. Uh, they don't want to give up power. Um, you know, it's it's sad because you you never want to root for someone's death. Like, no matter who they are, it's like, I mean, we've probably all had someone affected by cancer, and we know how horrible it is. And so um, I'm glad she doesn't have to suffer anymore. And so, Well, on top of that, you see now we have uh, people on the left that are coming out and getting mad because she didn't hold on until the next Democrat. Or retired under Obama. That's what they wanted. That too. I mean, politically, I think that would have made a lot of sense for her to retire when there was, when Obama was president. And let's see, yeah, but they were last... they were pretty certain Trump wasn't going to win, though. They that's where they were wrong. They really were a hundred percent certain. They still won't accept that he won. Yeah, and when was the last time that Democrats had the Senate? I think did they lose in twenty fourteen? Did they lose it? Um, I'm a little I'm a little rusty on that, but yeah, you know I. I just wish, I'm not sure if I think there should be term limits for Supreme Court. I've heard that argument. Um, I do like that the Supreme Court is kind of away from the whims of democracy, sort of like how the Senate is as well. Um, but it's just you know, at the point when this person is in their late, you know, their, their 80s, um, you don't, it's, I don't know how, um, how well they can be there you know they're, they're obviously having health issues and so anyways i'm glad we can now uh, we can move on um now it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a heck of a fight um and things are just gonna be really crazy uh through november i mean it's already a, it's already a wild election they all pretty much are but now this just kind of pours gasoline on the fire so both sides are going to be even more entrenched um i'm not sure I'm not sure. I was I was sort of thinking this through. I wasn't sure if there was anybody that's uh, that was not gonna vote in twenty in twenty twenty uh, that now is gonna vote because of this. I think everybody was already pretty darn fired up. So, you know, with that said, I, I sort of that's why I'm sort of on the on the in the bandwagon that we should just go ahead and nominate and confirm someone because I'm not too sure what the difference would have been politically if we hadn't. So that's where I'm coming from. And so uh, it's, it's wild. That's all there is to say, really. But, yeah. Yeah, it's wild is pretty much the summary. <laughs> so with all that said, uh, let's get on to our next topic which is that, uh, so Governor Abbott has announced that uh, some businesses can expand capacity and start to reopen. Some others can, uh, can reopen. Restaurants, retail, gyms, museums, libraries, and, and offices can open up to 75% capacity starting uh, today. 
September 21st. And uh, hospitals can return to performing elective surgery procedures. Uh, nursing homes can reopen for, for visitation, which I find interesting. Nursing homes have been closed up for six months. And so uh, with that, um, you know, it's, it's such a cruel thing to have uh, our elderly people locked up. I think that could have, um, you could have opened up for visitation a lot earlier, but it's here now. Uh, bars are still closed, which uh, at this point is just, it's absolutely crazy. Um, so you bar can sneeze on grandma. Open up at all. You can sneeze on yeah. grandma, but you can't go have a beer. No, that's atrocious. The bar, the bar at my Chili's has been full like every single day. That's a restaurant bar. That's it's different. Stupid. Well, I know, but it's it's a stupid loophole. Well, See, what all bars need to do is adopt um, a shot called BLM, which is like hmm. bourbon, lime liqueur, and maraschino cherries. <laughs> well, they think they think that they're, that will they're get saving open. just like the mask mandate. Abbott thinks he's like the hero of the earth with all these rules. And you're not helping anything if people are just going to restaurants that have bars. You're not helping the cause. All that's There's happening is the bar gets more, or is the restaurant bar gets more crowded. So you have more people right. going to one place. Exactly. You could actually social distance more by having the bars open. Yeah. Well, I just want, I, to be honest, I really do just want everything to be opened up. Um, and I think people can use their best judgment. Look, we all, now some people do think it's a complete hoax. I don't think it's a complete hoax, but I think it's not going to, you know, the, the people that have to be hospitalized, it's a very small percent of the people that get it. And the people that actually die from it is, is like minuscule. It's tiny. And it's mostly people that are elderly. Um, and even then the rate's not very high. So it's like, look, let's use our common sense here. Um, because, you know, we've heard, We've heard that people are, you know, that want us to reopen. They're putting the economy over people's lives. Well, the truth is that the economy is people's lives. I mean, that's our livelihood. That's, do we have money? Skyler, your libertarian is showing. I'm sorry, but no, it's like, if you can't go to work and you don't have any money and you're broke and you're about to get evicted, well, that's your life. And your life is going to be considerably worse when you can't afford anything and you can't afford food and you can't afford to put, uh, you can't afford to put uh, food on your kids' plates or and a roof over their head. It's, it's really, it's unbelievable that in Texas of all places, we've allowed it to happen. But I think, um, I have to think that in 2022, Greg Abbott's going to have a pretty rude awakening if he uh, runs for reelection. So, uh, what y'all think well, he's of, not. Uh, he's gonna run for president yeah. and get and lose his home state in the primary. It's gonna be an even worse awakening for him. Um, yeah, yeah, I just think people are so used to like everything going on that they have forgotten that like the bars are still closed because they've gone to their local chilies or wherever that has alcohol and they've started going there and they're like, well, it's it's all right. And now they've forgotten. You that know, bars nothing exist. against chilies. Meanwhile, <laughs> Nothing, yeah, I was going to say nothing against Chili's, but, you know, I'd, I'd be interested, interested to see the numbers on what percent of, you know, 
Uh, 51% bars that, that sell most of their, they get most of their revenue from alcohol sales. How many of those are local, uh, you know, local, local businesses? Cause I'd have to, I'd have to think that most of them are, I don't know of lots of, you know, chain bars. Yeah. Most of them are local. Is that a thing? Yeah. So just that practically like you're really benefiting the big corporations when you say that, well, if you get most of your money through food sales, but you have a bar, you can reopen. But well, if you're, you're benefiting if you're just big corporations, bar, but you're also um, not social distancing. You're benefiting corporations and you're causing people to be more cramped because if you're used to going to the bar all the time, you're going to find a restaurant that has a pretty decent bar and start going there just like the rest of the planet and the people that went there in the first place. Now you have a packed bar. The restaurant owners won't care. My boss, not to expose him because he didn't get in trouble, but my boss, technically it's in Benton County. Uh, whenever the like the mandates started getting put into place, he went ahead and opened the bar like a day early than he was supposed to back in like June. And I told him, I was like, doesn't the, doesn't the thing start in like two or three days? Like they can come ticket me if they want. I'm opening it anyway. And so these bar owners do, I say that to say these bar owners do not care if there's a, or I'm sorry, these restaurant owners do not care if their bars are packed with people. They're happy to see the business. And so all these local bar owners that are sitting at home, like salty, you know, I mean, feel terrible for them are just going through this while, you know, Abbott's having his, you know, crown and his robe and he's chilling out in his, you know, governor's mansion. And then a lot of us have forgotten that the mask mandate is still in place. It's not the businesses like doing it at their free will. They have to because there's a governor's order for these masks in supposedly the most conservative state in the country, which it's not. But yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, Texas is God, freedom, guns, etc. And I like to say Texas is completely conservative, but there are more conservative states. But we're supposed to. But be we like are the best state. We're supposed to be the Republicans' powerhouse, and we have a governor ordering us a mask mandate. Uh, anyway, so I just find it interesting that a lot of people have forgotten about this. That this is yeah. all still in place. You know, it's got to be real nice to be to be uh, Greg Abbott, and you're just. Now, sitting in the governor's mansion, you're very well insulated from everything that's going on. You don't have to worry about whether you're going to make it or not. Uh, but the, meanwhile, business owners are scraping by, and it's a chain of it's a chain reaction because I mean the economy is is in a pretty pretty bad place uh, compared to where it was at the start of the year, and so um, so even the people that can manage to open that doesn't mean that their sales are going to be anywhere near it, the way it was before all of this happened. So it's like, look, just give these guys a chance. Um, that's really all that, that's all that we're, that yeah, I, I don't, I don't make what I made before COVID. I mean, I mean, I file unemployment and that's why I justify it. And I donate a large sum of it to my church. But the point is that a lot of my friends are still filing unemployment too, because they're like, I'm not making anywhere near, I'm probably making half of what I used to, but my bills have not changed whatsoever. And uh, I hate to be that guy, but our unemployment right now is like under 9%. It's like 8 point something percent. Uh, have, have you looked at the Obama years, what the unemployment rate was? And now Biden's going to come in and make the economy great when the economy is in the current state. Actually, it's in a better state than it was when Obama was in there. Look at your yeah. stocks. Look at all these things. The unemployment numbers are, are a, little, a little weird, but we added like 8 million jobs last month. So it's coming back pretty you quickly. Know, yeah, you're and right. I can only I can only imagine a Biden presidency. 
You're right. Well, think of it like this. Whenever we had this recession was said to be even steeper than the this was supposed to be uh, Great Recession to Electric Boogaloo. It, pro- it was supposed to be even worse than the Great Recession, a much steeper decline. But look at the, the fact that it's already rebounding as much as it is under President Trump shows that his policies work. And on top of that, yeah. I made money, so that was nice. Really no, seriously, this unemployment money, kind of, like... Go ahead, Skyler. <laughs> well, it really is kind of a government-manufactured uh, recession. You know, if we wouldn't have had all these lockdowns and everything, the economy would be doing, would be doing pretty well. Um, it's because of all the lockdowns and because of this extended, um, you know, this really like wet blanket that the government has put on the economy that has said, you know, you can't go back to work. And so that's really the biggest thing. If we could get rid of all that and, you know, just return to a normal life. Uh, I, I get that, the, that there's a pandemic going on, but it's like I said, you know, it's, it's really not going to hurt. Uh, a lot of people. So it's like, look, let's just use our common sense. If we could get rid of all that, you know, get, get things back to normal, get people back to work. Um, and I've said this before and I, you know, I'm a broken record, but it's, it really is true. It's like, look, this isn't some, this isn't something that developed and, you know, a, a bubble popped and now everyone is, you know, in a, in a horrible situation. We could recover pretty quickly. Um, much quicker than we did under Obama after the subprime mortgage crisis. So whenever or like, I, uh, I'm, great, I'm or actually great depression under Roosevelt, under Roosevelt. Yeah. Back in about uh, 2017, whenever Trump first got elected, I was still in high school, but I was taking bill credit. And so my college professors were telling us, okay, okay, I'll give it to you. The economy is growing quickly, whatever, whatever. But because of inflation and all these things, they're like, you can expect a massive downfall. And here we are during a global pandemic and the economy is still like, I mean, on a global scale, it's still booming. It's not what it was, but if you look at Obama years, it's still better. I mean, our unemployment rate, and I'm looking right now, Dow is 27.6. NASDAQ is 10.7. Dow is a net better from the beginning of the year at this point. S&P 500 is 3.3. You know, it's just Yeah, all indexes are net positive. Yeah, right, right. And it's, it's just outrageous that that is what the stock market is. Trump has broken the stock record, I think, 19 times since he got elected. He's broken the record. Uh, and about five of those was during the pandemic. So it's, it's just atrocious. And I go to Mexico pretty frequently. And I have people that I trust down there enough to tell them about like our unemployment system, how much I'm making as a 19-year-old and all that that works at Chili's. And I tell them that, and they can't even imagine it because they have such a socialist president they don't have any unemployment benefits. They don't have any money. They don't, I mean, they're screwed. They aren't working. I mean, now, now it's open and people are out. It's kind of embarrassing to be here and seeing people that are still like scared they're going to kill grandma and over there. Oh no, they do whatever is necessary. I went to the mall about three weeks ago in Mexico and I had to put on hand sanitizer about 11 times, but they do not care. They would much rather put on hand sanitizer and be stuck at home with no government support. They don't, I told them, I'm like, yeah, uh, rent payments are suspended from March to July, mortgages. I was like, the unemployment benefits, a lot of companies are just being lenient. I told them about all that and they were just jaw dropped. They were like, what? And I'm like, you're president socialist. Don't you have a lot of benefits for this? Oh, we haven't gotten anything. 
And then this past time I went, I went to the Capitol right by the president's office, homeless tents everywhere. And so people, I just don't know how you can look at the world right now and vote for Biden. I, I just, I don't understand it. When the unemployment rate right now is still lower than when Biden and Obama were in charge. It's like 8.2, I think right now. During Obama, I remember when it was 9.1, 9.2, and then it was 8.5 and everybody was happy. It's out, it's, a, it's outrageous. We were at full unemployment. Sorry, we were at full employment six months ago. It was like, what was it, 3.2% unemployment? Yeah, it was under 4%. That's my, that's my rant for the podcast today. Well, you're, you do bring up an interesting point. And, you know, I've heard Biden criticize uh, Donald Trump on um, the pandemic, uh, you know, causing this thing. And you can't criticize him for the way the economy's gone when you would, if you were the president, things would be way worse. So, you know, you can maybe pick one side. But you can't be on both sides of it to say, ah, let's lock down everything. Um, and oh, look how bad the economy. Like you. Well, I remember it. I remember it crystal clear when the, when Biden said that Trump was xenophobic for that China lockdown. I remember yeah. turning on the TV and seeing him saying it was xenophobic. And I'm not gonna lie, even I thought it was over exaggerated. Here I am now. Okay, if he hadn't closed it down, oh my god. And uh, anyway, it's just it's just outrageous that you know that's the case. Uh, anyway. Oh, also, the, the last point uh, that I'll make on the international deal. Uh, Mexico, uh, another example on Mexico, they, I don't know that most people know, but we have sent hundreds of thousands of ventilators to Mexico. If we hadn't done that, this is where people talk about Trump being a nationalist, Trump being, you know, he only cares about the United States, whatever, whatever. Uh, we're, we're helping other countries significantly. They're calling the, the White House and saying, how, how have you guys tested so many people? Where'd you guys get all these ventilators? Why is your hospital capacity so low? Y'all are building all these hospitals and then not even turning the key on them because you don't need them. And I'm going to Mexico, the lines out of the hospitals, everybody's getting ventilators. And it's all, I ask people around, well, it's because the United States, they came in. They sent us hundreds of thousands of ventilators, saved our lives. Even AMLO came to the White House, his first international trip in like two years of being president. He flew commercial and had a layover and everything because he's that socialist to come and thank Trump for sending those ventilators because without it, so people tend to forget how giving the United States is even under a Trump authority. So under a Biden authority, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even had ventilators. Yeah, I mean, there were so many doom and gloom predictions about what would happen, and they really haven't come true. And, and matter of fact, like the worst spot was in New York City, where New York, uh, the governor, Andrew Cuomo, sent people with COVID back into nursing homes. So uh, I guess for everything bad that Governor Abbott has done uh, with locking down nursing homes completely, not letting them see their family, you know. Uh, it's it's true that, well, at least he didn't literally send them to death. By yeah, at least at least we're not living in had COVID. In, back, back I can't back. imagine how angry I'd be if I was a, an LA County resident and seeing that five billion dollar Los Angeles Rams stadium being unveiled while there's a hundred thousand homeless people at least within the mile of that stadium and the airports within a mile and well, they show the glass I would be into if they had yes. even spent two billion it still would have been very nice and that three billion could have gone to California's 
bankrupt infrastructure infrastructure and they're going even more broke and even more broke as all these millionaires are fleeing california it's a mass exodus i well, saw the line around the blocks on broadway in new york city around the u-haul was all that but was the five billion was that from like Los Angeles County or like the city? Uh, it was, it was SoFi. It was SoFi, but you can only imagine that some of it was uh, supplemented. Well, because I know, I mean, I hear all the time about, you know, local governments subsidizing the, the building of all these new stadiums and like the Cowboys, they had half of their stadium, uh, their $1 billion stadium paid for by Arlington. And so I think it's happened also in Las Vegas with that stadium. And I am pretty sure that in Los Angeles, they had some level of uh, subsidization. So, but yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point. Like, I guess they already had a contract, so they had to spend that money. Uh, but it's the priorities seem to be a little out of whack. And it's just, it is sorry, real bad but, timing. But you look at open up. Oh yeah, it's terrible timing to open up that stadium with no fans. Like, what what good does it have to you? They're like, yeah, it has open walls. It's only the ceiling. I'm like, well, if only there were people there to experience it. Uh, anyway, but it's just it's just interesting to see. It's the same thing with Trump. You'd see how little he spent on his 2016 campaign, yet he won phenomenally. And everybody else that's just pouring money into the campaign is losing, and it's showing you how to run it. If you look at the Dallas Cowboys, I hate to get into football, but they're like $5.6 billion net worth and their stadium is $1.2 billion. Why on earth do the Los Angeles Rams need a $5 billion stadium? In what world? If anything says California, it's that stadium. There is no need for Los Angeles to have that stadium. Well, we did With 100,000 plus homeless people. We didn't initially schedule this for a topic, but man, it's something I could really go into, uh, you know, it's, it's governments, you know, governments have no issue subsidizing, um, you know, politically, they have no issue subsidizing these stadiums. Now, if you care about, you know, if you understand economics, then you probably understand that it doesn't actually make sense to, to do this. Um, but, you know, they're happy to do it because, hey, we have a football team now. Um, and the football teams love it because they will threaten, they will threaten to leave. And they do it all the time. So, uh, you know, we could we could do a whole topic on that, a whole episode on it. I'd love to actually, but um, yeah, you know, government, big Let's government. Do a Wednesday talks. edition, yeah, a Wednesday certain, edition over the NFL. <laughs> Sorry, but um, yeah, I had to I had to give it a little jab there. Um, big government sucks. Uh, at at every level. <laughs> Big term is like, <laughs> this dude's turning into Charlie Kirk. Uh, I'm trying to pull a Jamie here and trying to figure out how much of this was subsidized. But anyway, I'm coming up short. You know, it's, it doesn't surprise me at all that the media is trying to hide how much of it was subsidized when it's in California. Uh, anyway, especially during the pandemic. But you look at like AT&T Stadium. It is amazing. It's beautiful. The artwork is phenomenal. And it was, I say this, it was only $1.2 billion. And uh, the Globe Life was like 1.7 billion or 2.1 or something like that. And those are both phenomenal stadiums. So why do you need to spend 5 billion on SoFi? For what? I mean, all of the money that could have gone to helping the homeless, but in all the money that they no longer have because of the max exodus, Daily Wire is going to Tennessee, Joe Rogan's in Austin. I mean, who else do they have? They have nobody left. Even even their politicians would prefer to be in D.C., which is not that much better. 
the, well, even their politicians don't want to go home. There are people yeah. throwing stuff. I don't know if y'all have seen all these videos in front of Pelosi's house. People are taking dumps in her driveway, throwing stuff in the yard, all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm curious at what point like Silicon Valley starts to starts to pull pull out of California because well, that's the other thing. Tesla is moving most of their infrastructure into Texas. Most of it. They're starting with Cybertruck, but that's just the beginning. Google Elon also Musk has offices in Austin. Google has massive offices yeah. in Austin, and uh, Apple produces the Mac Pro, the one that like looks like a time capsule. They produce that in Austin as well. Like the they don't make that computer. anymore. Oh, they don't make it anymore. Well, they were making it. In Austin. They, they have the. They have. They have Austin. the. They have the new Mac uh, Pro cheese grater now. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. that's the one I'm referring to. That's the one I'm referring to, the cheese grater. Yeah. Anyway, but but Silicon Valley is slowly fading out of there. Uh, the only one left is Hollywood, but they're making their way to North Carolina and Atlanta. They're getting out of there. In China. And then New York City, that's a whole other episode right there to get into that atrocity. Yeah, that I mean, at some point, hey, at some point, these states are going to have to realize – how wrong they are you know the bill like i don't know if y'all heard about ab5 um in california that affects uh, gig workers and you know uh, freelance like freelance journalists stuff like that um they're heavily affected because it makes the cost of um they have to be i think it's the deal is they have to be considered employees so it, it also hurts stuff like uber drivers lyft drivers stuff like that um but you know, back back to the uh, coronavirus stuff. Um, let's open this thing. You know, uh, I would love for Greg Abbott to to listen and um, you know, Greg. Everybody's Greg, looking at Texas, talking about how it's open and it's phenomenal, and us Texans are like, "Bruh, it's not open." <laughs> like, yeah, halfway halfway open. That's that's not quite open. Um, if you if if you open it up all the way, even then you wouldn't have you wouldn't have full restaurants you wouldn't have them packed because people are going to be hesitant to to go to these places and so um does anybody else have oh any yeah well, uh, my grandparents still haven't been back in a restaurant they're one of their favorite things to do is just go eat out for an hour at a nice restaurant and they haven't done that because they're hesitant to do so well the other the other day i the other day i asked my boss i said wait why are all these tables open and he's like oh we're up to 100 percent." i'm like and that's legal no Okay. Uh, anyway, so I hate to expose my chilies, but I mean, if you go, you'll know. So anyway. If you like this content, please like, subscribe, share it. If you hated it, like, subscribe, and share it. Thanks for tuning in.